Hey there, horror movie fans. Welcome back to Here's Mimi Horror Movie Podcast. The zombie subgenre has become oversaturated, but is saved by some remarkable takes that make it the reason zombie and infectious horror scares the living hell out of me. It has nothing to do with the grotesque makeup effects and transformation and decaying, along with those graphic kill sequences, but the idea that once infected, it's a death sentence. Sometimes prolonged and sometimes immediate. 2002's 28 Days Later and 2007's 28 Weeks Later, yes, I'm addressing both because I highly enjoyed the sequel, which I don't say often. Besides George Romero's Dawn of the Dead, these films top on my list for favorite zombie horrors. 28 Days Later introduces an animal rights activist group that frees an infected chimp that was caged in a medical lab. Four weeks later, Jim wakes up from a coma to not one trace of human life until he meets a small survival group, including Selena and Frank, as they are on the run from zombie-like victims infected with the rage virus, and as they go on their journey to find safety and hope. Not to mention, this is a UK film. Now, this is why you don't go messing with things you know nothing about though technically it returns the earth back to a state of balance and order. And the reason I say this is because Jim states himself, if you look at the whole life of the planet, we, you know, man, has only been around for a few blinks of an eye. So if the infection wipes us all, that is a return to normality. Okay, let me not get too ahead of myself since director Danny Boyle claims that this isn't a zombie flick. That cinematically pleasing pano shot of Jim aimlessly wandering the desert city is my favorite scene of the entire film. You feel the element of life missing and the generic daytime atmosphere turn quiet, even isolated in this eerie dreamlike scene. Though this dream sequence takes a quick turn after Jim goes to the church to seek help only to find an infected priest, his first encounter. There are heavy symbolisms centering Catholicism, and Jim throughout the film is soul-searching and wanting a family, though they are all lost and are seeking comfort in this hardship they are given. Let alone the Lielkelen and his son statue we see later on, emphasizing this notion of human agony with no redemption. And that alone sets the tone for when the remaining of the group reach the military shelter. Though this is ultimately challenged in the end when Jim finds himself and breaks from this weakened, dependent mentality he was given. Now don't get me wrong, the zombies have become background noise at this point, but given because of the military they seek refuge from. This is what Doyle meant by it's not a zombie movie, but a premise for the widely accepted concept of people killing people. This film is one big political emblem for the destruction of the human race, point blank. It's all characterized by this contrasting view of government interference that manifests this chaos and disorder because they don't know what to do. And their actions only prove that their ego is centered around this toxic masculinity, vulgar, and just sexism. They are no better than the animalistic zombies they try to keep out. As humans, we have no control over our lives. Depicted by the oversaturated coloring, disoriented montages, and contrasted movements of the film. But a quick note about that. Unlike many zombie horrors, once the characters are exposed, 
they have approximately five seconds before they turn. Now the real test of quick decision making, regardless if you're just a stranger, a friend, or even family, there is no time. The outcome is sadly the same. That's what I love about this film. But in the end, Jim looks out into nature and smiles. As daylight radiates on him, everything's still. Jim, our everyman, and every man wants nothing but hope. I could talk endlessly about this film, but the sequel's pretty damn good too. 28 weeks later, our partner piece, pretty much. This takes place six months after the original outbreak. U.S. Army comes into the British Isles to declare the danger to have passed and these American soldiers begin reconstructing and establishing order once again. Refugees begin their return to British soil, though the virus is not gone since one of them carries a deadly secret. Sounds like a Lifetime movie, but once again, a cinematically haunting opening sequence. Don and his wife, Alice, with a band of survivors were attacked when Don abandoned his wife, who cries for help as she tries to protect a little boy. When he is reunited with his children, Tammy and Andy, who is played by Imogene Poots, who you may recognize from Green Room, since they were on a school trip when it all happened, he lies to them about what happened to their mother and the events that transpired. Don is no hero, but he isn't the villain either. Yes, he was deceitful, but in those purely sporadic moments or decision-making, many of you would relate. But karma is real, and we'll get to that. What bothers me is that two kids could cause the death of 15,000 people. They had to go back to their old home, wanting photos of their mom, which got burned later on regardless. They find their mom who was bitten and bring her in to the lab, and that's when they realize that she has a genetic mutation that causes her not to turn, but she still carries the rage virus. Which is also in her son Andy, both having central heterochromia as well. When Don speaks to his wife again, you sense the remorse and guilt he feels, and the love that remained. But he kisses her and, well, saliva, you know. So five seconds later, he turns and brutally kills his wife, eye gouge and all. It actually saddened me. Then the repeated, fast-moving, manifested panic and relentless existential approach to the horror of global anxiety begins. Visual effects takes these concepts into consideration with its quick shots and color contrast through ranging from oversaturated and in an unconventional manner to bleak tones, as well as light manipulation to depict overwhelming movement and struggle. I heard someone else talk about this and it's prevalent in many horror films. The logic of Hitchcock's bomb under the table. In this instant, there is something wrong, or the bomb under the table. Then it spirals, or explodes. Now, those around are shocked because there was no indication prior that this would occur. It was ordinary. Now, the second ideology is that the public does know and is participating in the secret. This is the true divide between the people and the military. The flaws of the military become evident and inadvertently clash with the people's safety. When they realize the spread was out of control, they turn to Code Red, or exterminate all. Not a second of responsibility crossed them, snipers not deciphering between a zombie and a human being. Morality was burned along with the city. Emphasizing on the government's collapse because of overpopulation and unawareness of the virus before. 
This is a reflection to our world today, continuous unrest and uncontrollable disease that pushes the national security to violent measures of solution. The claim is to maintain function, but just like our real world, we, the people, witness the taxing restoration of the government. And high tensions through the innocent just want their lives back and to begin again. From this preventable outbreak again, but human nature is flawed and will continue to be. And the hope we see in the beginning turns back to misery we felt at the beginning of the original film. But that's its commitment to realism. In both films, survival is key. Time becomes lost and an allusion to all that is happening. Time doesn't change the decision or outcomes or disease for this matter, it's all the same. The little peak of humanity is shown through Sergeant Doyle. Huh, I get it. Played by none other than Jeremy Renner. He sees the immoral task he's been given and leaves his post to help the civilians. The military's lead scientist Scarlet and his mission is to protect the kids since their lives are more valuable than their own. So when the other military men entrap them in a car, Doyle sacrifices himself by pushing the car for them to escape, burning to death in the process, as his last words being he'll meet them there, knowing it wasn't true. Our sacrificial death, that's just heartbreaking. I mean, Scarlet's death too, but you know. The movie ending with the kids escaping? Andy now a carrier, but also the cure? The infected invading Paris? Pandemic? Set up for a trilogy? Hmm? As we are feeling right now, will our longing for hope prevail? Or are our actions too fallible to fix our downfall? Well, until next time, ciao now! <laughs>